Hello, welcome to the Real Plane Exchange. This is Adam, and today we are going to be doing a, well, actually, this is our second episode of a new show we're calling Row Up, where we're going to row up character sheets. And uh, today I am joined by, and God's alphabetical order. Hi, I'm Aaron. I'm the kind of GM, not quite, kind of, you know, I'm leading this expedition. And since Adam's not here to screw it up, I'm Chris. <laughs> And uh, I'm going to be here to make a character about a game I haven't read yet. <laughs> Joe? I'm Joe. I'm not GMing. Yeah! Hell yeah! <laughs> so I don't know what's going on in this game, and I'm eager to find out. So, the, <laughs> if this is your first time catching our row-ups episodes here, the idea is we're just going to sit down with a game, either we played it before or not. We're trying to hit the ones we didn't, we happened in the beginning. And we're just going to create characters just to kind of learn a little bit about the system. And, you know, who knows? Maybe something magical will happen and we'll, this, this will turn out to be a session zero for a game. So, speaking of the game, Aaron, I have shoehorned you in on this one. What are we doing today, sir? Adam, I volunteered for this. We're rolling up characters for Aquilare, which in Spanish means come in. So the premise of Aquilare is that you're playing characters who are born and raised in, or currently live in, one of the five kingdoms dividing the Iberian Peninsula during the 14th and 15th centuries. So it's the 1300s and the 1400s. It's very cool. It's something I've been into for a while, or I've been wanting to mess with for a while. It is very historically accurate, so let's get this out of the way up front. There are some some problematic or some problematic stuff, not because the people that created the game are racist, but because it is... Because history is racist. Yeah, it's historically accurate to a fault. As it said during the Reconquista, there's a few things I'm going to take off the table immediately. No one's going to play a Jew. Actually, you know what? I'm not going to necessarily take that off the table. There's a job I'm going to take off the table. And that is informer. And that's that's all I'm going to say. We all concur with that removal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm down with that. Yeah. Like I said, it's not, it's not anything hateful on the game creator's part. It's just... History was hateful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I may be alone in this here too, but I, despite the fact that I mean these things happened, they're historically accurate and they need to be known and not forgotten and all that. But still, I don't want my tabletop game to turn into a misery simulator where we're just doing horrible mean things because that's the character types we have and the job we have and all that. It was uh, it's it's not. Not good for our, that aspect's not good for our table. It, I mean, if you've got a more mature group that can handle, well, not more mature, but if your group's more comfortable with it and can handle it, then, I mean, it's good on you. There's also another job that I will not be allowing to be slave because there is a mechanic, and it does specify within the book, like, hey, make sure everybody's on board with this, where one player can be the owner of that, that slave, that character. We're way not doing that. That's the right move. Yeah, no. No, thank you. Yeah. We will also be using the the random method because of character creation. Because it will be hilarious. And guys, I've decided I'm also 
I'm going to create a character too, because I also want to create a, a miserable creature under God's eye. All right. So we're doing this the random way. So okay. first, we are going to roll for. You're going to roll for what kingdom you're from. So just a D10. I guess everybody roll, and then we'll go in alphabetical order. What are we rolling for again? What kingdom you're from. Okay. So, and I, I would suggest so. I think how we roll and some of the things that do, should we come up with the name last? So some of these things kind of like, yeah, yeah, okay. we'll do a name last and we'll go in alphabetical order. And because I am creating a character, Adam, that means I go before you. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. So one quick thing, folks, this game was originally done as Aaron mentioned in Spanish. The, the translation was released by Chaosium a while back. But upon the date of this recording, we hopped online and noticed that uh, Chaosium doesn't have it anymore. And by drive through RPG, it is li- it is listed as being part of Nocturnal Media. Nocturnal Media. So, what we're going to start on in the first part, guys, for listeners at home, at the top of before we get into the stats, we're gonna we have name, which we're gonna fill in last. Then we got kingdom, and then we've got a social position. We've got a profession. We have a description. There's something that says people here. I don't know what that means. Family and then father's profession is also the fields we're going to kind of be filling up here. So, sorry, I just wanted to add that in. I should have mentioned that. I'm not sure. I think when it says people, it's it means your ethnicity. Okay. Okay, so in alphabetical order, I'm rolling. So I rolled a seven, so my character will be in the pool of Granada. We'll read the description of that. Ibn al-Amar founded the Nasserid Kingdom of Granada in 1238, heir of the great Emirates, Caliphates of Al-Andalus, often referred to as Muslim Spain or Islamic Iberia, which survived as the last Islamic bastion on the Iberian Peninsula until its dissolution in 1492. During this time, and despite the frequent dynastic struggles that shook it, the kingdom maintained itself thanks to the many tributes it paid to the Castilian kings and the pacts it signed with the Benimarinas. In spite of this, the kingdom of Granada suffers a continual erosion of territory until the Catholic monarchs, after a campaign of 10 years, finally fell Granada society under the Nazarenes is divided into three great populations Arabs, Jews, and Mazarabs. I'm not real sure what a Mazarab is, but we'll learn. Also, I apologize in advance for any mispronunciations on my part. Monarchs. What did I say? You said monards. Oh, did I? Oh, my yes. God. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> in this case, Catholic monarchs are. Basically, everyone from everywhere else in Europe, because Lutheranism is doesn't exist yet. Yeah, it's not yeah. around yet. No, yeah, I just I I didn't realize I mis I mispronounced that word. Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. I just rode my character, and I am also I rode a seven as well, so I'm also from the Kingdom of Granada. Okay. So I'm not gonna reread that because I just read it. Yeah, Chris. No point. All right. I rolled an eight, so I am from the Kingdom of Navarre. 
After several centuries of territorial, territorial partitioning with the neighboring crowns, the Kingdom of Navarre in the smallest is in the smallest isle, the smallest of the peninsular kingdoms of the late in the late Middle Ages. Although it is governed by dynasties of French origin due, during this period, it maintains good religions with the crowns of the Castle of Ar- and Aragon, each con- concerned with this kingdom not becoming part of the enemy ta- town. In the middle of the 15th century, a bloody civil war between the factions of the Bebonteses, supported by the Castilians, and the Agromenieses, who received aid from the Aragonese, shakes the entire kingdom, a conflict that ends at the beginning of the 16th century, with the conquest of the ancient kingdom of Navarre by Aragon. The populations of Navarre is divided among three large groups, the Navarrese, the Basques, and the Jews. Yo. I rolled a four. All right. Which puts me in Castile, everybody's favorite kingdom. Yeah. Well, not mine. (laughs) The one that wins. (laughs) (laughs) During the 14th and 15th centuries, Castile is the kingdom of greatest extent on the Iberian Peninsula, and it has a major political and cultural influence. Within its borders are included many previously independent kingdoms, such as Leon, Galicia, Toledo, America, now all linked to the Castilian crown, which during the 13th century expanded its territory throughout the valley of Guadalquivir. That looks right to me. Guadalquivir. I will take that correction. During this period, Castile managed mostly good relations with its neighbors, Portugal and Navarre, but not with Aragon. With yeah, with which it had many clashes until signing the Compromise of Casp in 1412, when it instituted the Castilian Trastamara dynasty in Aragon, nor with Granada, which, despite being Castilian vassal, ends up being conquered by her in 1492. In the heart of Castile live peoples of many diverse cultures and origins. Castilians, Galatians, Basques, the Astor Leonese, and Mujadars and Jews. All right. Well, we all know where we're from. Besides mm-hmm. the territorial divisions, which we saw in the previous section, the population of the, of the different peninsula kingdoms was divided into various ethnic groups or races. Now that you know the kingdom of your character is born, the time has come to decide to which of the people his heritage belongs. Below, you will find a description of each of the peoples in Spain and the society to which it belongs, Christian, Islamic, or Jewish, which is very important for discovering the character's class, the possible professional restrictions of the people, and the languages everyone among that people know together, the languages everyone among that people know together, the corresponding initial percentages, whether 100% or the result in multiplying the character's culture, which we shall discuss later. With a specific multiplier, times two or times four. Check what peoples inhabit the kingdom your character belongs to and choose one for your PC. If you can't decide what to choose or you wish to make the greatest possible surprise in this step, make a rule of 1d10 on the random table of peoples, taking the result that corresponds to your character's homeland. You know what? I'm going to roll for it. Let's see. I rolled a three. And I'm in Granada, so I'm an, for convenience, we use the word Arab for the Muslim inhabitants of the Canaan of Granada, though the population is composed mainly of Nazarenes, that is, Andalusian Arab descendants of old Al-Andalus, together with 
Berbers from Maghreb, Turkish Gulams, and Africans from the kingdoms of Ghana, Mali, and Saladay. In addition to true Arabs from the Arabian Peninsula, which group exactly the character springs from is immaterial to these, so the player is free to choose one ethnicity or another. Okay. Awesome. So we're just going to roll with 1d10, as usual? (laughs) Yeah, or you can pick. It's up to you. No, I'm going completely random. I like this. All right, I wrote a nine. So, what am I? I am Adam's Jewish. Really? I thought I was. Yeah, if you look at the Kingdom of Granada, a nine is. Uh, oh. See how the table. I'm looking at the table. King of Granada is a Jew. Okay, I'm just looking to see for. Yeah, I don't feel careful just saying a Jew. No, that's uh, entirely fair, man. All right, so Jewish people, and I'm going to mispronounce everything, not intentionally. The Jewish people or Sephardim, 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 if we want to be more precise, can be found extensively throughout the Iberian Peninsula and Jewish ghettos, as they are called, as they are termed in by the Crown of Aragon. They can be found in most of the cities of the five kingdoms. Within them, the Jews attend their synagogues and practice their rites and customs. But the synagogue, oh, excuse me, but protection granted to them during the previous centuries is progressively dwindling. During the 14th and 15th century, with the slaughter and forced conversion occurring in the ghettos and ending with their expulsion from the kingdom of Castile and Aragon in 1492. So, yeah. Okay. We'll go ahead and write that down. Chris? So, I rolled a, I rolled a six. And in uh, the kingdom of Navarre, that means I am. Wait, hold up. Did I roll a six? Yes, I did. All right. Um, I rolled a six in the kingdom of Navarre. That means I am uh, one of the Navarrese. So I am native to Navarre. These are the Christian inhabitants of the kingdom of Navarre, especially those who live in the cities in the southern regions of the kingdom. The north and the coast are popular populated by Basques. The Navarrese are largely con- descended from Aragonese and Castilians, with whom they share a language and a good part of their histories. My society is Christian. My restrictions is I cannot belong to the slave class, which isn't we're a not problem. Doing that anyway. Yeah, we're not going to do that. My language is Castilian at 100%, and Aragonese at culture times four. Yeah, percent. We'll figure it out later. Yeah. Joe? I got a 10. So I am also Jewish. Mm. All right. High five, Adam. There we go. All right. So we've got people. Okay. Uh, three class. That- no, this is social okay. class. So now that we know where our character comes from and to which race and people he belongs, which tells us about. Sorry, once again, strangely worded sentence. We know where our character comes from and to which race and people he belongs, which tells us much about. That's. That's weirdly worded, right? Like, that's not just me. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. Yeah. Sorry. So comes the time to find out what, to what class he belongs. Medieval society, based on concepts of feudalism and vassalage, is very different from that, being much more hierarchical and rigid. He's not allowed for climbing the social ladder, except in very special cases. People are assigned to a place in society depending on the family in which they're born. And they stay there until the day of their death. Entire generations are born, live, and die in the same class. With all that, your character's class is a very important topic within the game because it's difficult to change in the future. 
In addition, some classes can provide you great social and economic power while imposing a heap of obligations and duties. In the previous section, we determine which society or characters people belong to. Each has a different class table. Using the free ch choice method, characters begin the game of a class of townsfolk. If you wish your character to have a higher class, which means a boon high class, if you wish them to have a lower class, we take the bane of the class. Besides this now, this class is very important. If you'd rather roll randomly, make a 1d10 roll to find out the characters. One of the results ask you for an additional 1d10. Pick exactly the rank or title held within a class. Alrighty, so I will go first. And because I am uh, I'm part of Islamic, it was a 1d10, right? Yes. A two. I am a lower nobility. Members of the noble class in Islamic society who have a little more than the title of their ancestors is spawned out of property. Roll 1d10 again to discover your PC's family title. Contrary to what it said with upper nobility, the character holds from birth. Okay. Nine. So I am Al Baraz. An Islamic knight who fights in the service of his lord, especially in duels where the honor of the lord has been questioned, or before battle against the champion of the opposing. Oh, I'm a knight. Well, congratulations, Aaron. I was looking at the Jewish class table, and I have two options. So, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, kind of, it's kind of limited here. So I can either be a burger or townsfolk. So one through four, I'm a burger. Five through ten, I'm townsfolk. I am a townie. So, let me see where's class at. I guess that's beside here. So, townsfolk. This refers to the Jewish workers of humble character who live in Jewish ghettos of cities. Dedicated to their profession, typically an artisan, whether as an independent professional or in the service of a burger. So, I am townsfolk. All right. So, I'm a Christian. I rolled a seven through nine. Peasants! The lowest class of Christian medieval society. Three different classes of peasants exist, so roll 1d10 to find out which of these your peasant, your PC belongs. <laughs> yeah, I definitely will not cause a revolt. Y'all know me. Oh, I hope you rolled a 10. Oh, it's a 5. It's a five. I'm a vassal. A peasant who works the land of a feudal lord who offers protection in, in exchange and takes a portion of the harvest. Always down for a jack query. <laughs> <laughs> now, Joe, you got a lot of options here, man. Ah, I'm a burger. <laughs> oh. Well, I, oh, he's a fancy lad. Uh, let me retract that jack query talk. The Jewish middle class are those enriched by their offices or businesses enough to maintain relations with the grand aristocratic families, and even with their own king. Some hold true power in their kingdoms. So, so Joe, I think right there, and this is kind of cool how this kind of comes up in character creation here. Like, I sense it said that I could be employed by a, a burger. So I'm perhaps like, we'll let the list of the character creation speak for itself, but there may be a prior existing relationship between our characters. That would make a lot of sense to me. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. <laughs> also, another thing I want to point out, most people, when they think of peasants, they think, like, serfs and things like that. The actual term for peasant was basically just farmer. So I'm just a farmer. I'm a yeah, farmer not, who doesn't own his land. <laughs> you're not especially poor. Yeah. Too bad you weren't landing. Yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not a rich farmer. I'm just a farmer. 
Just a regular one. <laughs> we couldn't land you. Yeah. Hey. All right. So, Aaron, I'm a. Let me jump in here and give you a hand here. So, looks like we're at set four profession. After discovering the class which our character belongs, it is time to find out his profession, the officer occupation which the PC has occupied for most of her life, which he may be performing. Many of the available professions are jobs and offices just like today's mariner, artisan, cleric, while others seem more lifestyle than profession in the strictest sense of the word thief, bandit, informer, which is off the table, nope. etc. But but in performing any of these roles, the character has acquired certain skills different from each of the professions. The Bedeco Medico Medico has different skills from he who has followed the pirate's life, who in turn has skills not possessed by the scrap. <clears throat> All right, so we have below there are three tables of professions which you can Use for your character. There's a Christian, Islamic, and Jewish societies once. And to further divide, to further divide by class, choose an occupation or row one d one hundred in the corresponding section. Keep in mind, some of these occupations can and and it only be taken by PCs who belong to a particular kingdom, people, or gender. So take a look at your profession descriptions and follow that. So. Also, and I mean, it's getting kind of wordy here. It's also, we're going to get like minimum characteristics for our characters, which we can go over. We got a list of primary skills that we're going to pick up, secondary skills, and monthly income. So I'm personally, I mean, we may regret this in a moment, but I am down with us rowing a 1D100, if everybody else. I'm good with that. That was my assumption from the start. I've already rolled it. Oh, Aaron, since I stole your spot, I'll let you have your place back in the alphabet here, sir. Go right ahead. All right. I rolled a 44. I'm lowered. Let's see what that means. Luckily, all of the jobs, luckily the jobs are all in alphabetical order. And I've skipped the Gs. Gazi, a word meaning paladin or champion, is a fanatical Muslim warrior who is about to wage war against the infidels to disseminate Islam and to defend its borders in a manner similar to those who Christian borders. All of the Ghazi can come from any class. They are also called Al-Morabi, or those who live in castles, because they are accustomed to dwell in fortified communities called Rabats, a cross between a castle and a monastery situated on the frontier, which fulfill the same function as fortifications of the Christian military orders. Most Ghazis are Sufis, though some secretly belong to the Ismali, or yeah, Muslim said. The Ghazi profession allows use of rituals of dope, so like, I'm literally a knight. Pretty cool. So, I think my first name has to be Ben. Well, yes, I'm Ben the Ghazi. No. <laughs> Vito. Vito that. <laughs> Go ahead, Adam. Alright, so, rowing for the townsfolk. I rode a 47. Let's see if this off. I'm a minstrel. It looks like for townsfolk. Well, let me go ahead and find minstrel. And this, we use minstrels were referred to wandering musicians and story a storyteller who travels from town to town, making a living converting or converting the street or plaza into a stage, especially during important fairs and festivals. Some, with more luck and talent, can work in the service of a lord, entertaining him and his family. 
with music, acrobatics, and so forth. Although most ultimately grow tired as sedentary life and returns to the road sooner or later. In the Islamic word, they are called a hazan, or singer, because they accompany their musical instruments with their own voices. Though, yeah, it looks like it's like I did pretty good here. You do. I, I just imagine that you're the kind of minstrel who does like close-up magic. Yeah. He's just on the street pulling currency from behind people's ears. Maybe I'm just a stand-up philosopher, and I'm, I got the, Gall- the Gallagher stick, and I just walk around <laughs> busting fruit with a, you know, a mall. Maybe you're a contact juggler. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, the stand-up philosopher bit would get you murdered before po- Protestantism. <laughs> <laughs> Adam juggles flaming something. Something on fire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I rolled a 96, which means I'm a, a soldier. The profession represents the professional soldier, an individual of humble origins. Many are peasants recruited willingly or by force. Y'all know what I'm going to pick. With equipment of poorer quality than infanzones, who have made war their trade and battle their life. Many live permanently stationed in a castle or a fortress, fending off attacks from en- enemies of their master, while others end their lives lying in the middle of a, in the middle of a blood filled battlefield. In the Arabic world, soldiers are called Ascari, which is a term used to indicate an expert combatant. My minimum characteristics are I have have a dexterity of 15 and a strength of 15. My primary skills are crossbows, ride, shield, one chosen arm skill from the townsfolk of soldier, soldier categories, secondary skill, brawl, discovery, dodge, drive, wagon, Heal, knives, stealth, and torture. And my monthly com- income, if townsfolk are peasant, they receive Maravedis equal to the percentage of their highest arm skill. If of superior rank, class burger, they receive that percentage at five times in Maravedis. So, yeah, no, I'm getting paid shit to do the same Joe will get if he gets the same one. Fun. No, I turn out to be the sort of person who funds these wars either voluntarily or involuntarily, because I am a money changer. This refers to all those individuals dedicated to changing money from different kingdoms, using balances to weigh coins to determine their worth in local currency, taking a percentage as a part of the exchange. They can also perform other types of financial operations, such as making loans, charging a high interest for them, of course. They are accustomed to working in the street or under a colonnade, using a blank, a plank as a sort of table. A plank called a blanca, or bench. Whence comes the term bank? Hmm. The work of a money changer is looked upon poorly by both Christians and as they are seen as no more than simple ursers, and most are Jewish. My minimum characteristics are culture of 15, dexterity of 10, and perception of 10. My primary skills are alchemy, turning gold into other gold, commerce, eloquence, and mineral knowledge. I have secondary skills of conceal, craft, discovery, empathy, knives, a language of my choice, memory, and reading and writing. My monthly income is my percentage of commerce times 10 in Maravides. (laughs) So, not to bring everything down, but have y'all either seen a stage play of or read Othello? (laughs) I have read Othello. Yeah, buddy. 
Yeah, I know. It's bad. <laughs> Listen, I know what's going on. Okay, just making sure. I'm going to get killed. Yeah. It's, <laughs> look, I know how Spanish history went. It's bad. Oh, that's just been kind of informative. Here. Not kind of. I didn't even go over my skills with you guys here. I'm kind of excited that, you know, I got sleight of hand. But being as I like to have characters of high agility, I've got a pretty decent agility. And I've got dodge and brawl. So, you know, I'm the Henry Rollins speaking show. Of, uh, <laughs> of it. What is the next thing we got here? Does it go straight on down into arms or do we? What's the next? Um, so table five is father's profession. Which, cool. I mean, we don't have to do that. It's up to you guys. No, I want to know what dad was doing. Yeah. Father's profession. So as we noted before, just as the place the place a character's family occupies within medieval society has a lasting impact on him or her, so the profession performed by his or her parent or guardian influences influences him because it is established a custom to teach the fundamentals of the occupation to sons. Well, no wonder it's more him, too. It's patriarchal. I forgot. That work will continue in the future. Whether the child then follows that occupation or not is another matter, of course. All this means is that the profession followed by the character's parents or guardians also affects the development of the PC skills. Whether he wishes it or not, something learned during childhood to, and adolescence. To determine what profession the character's parents follow, choose one or row, which we will, 1D100, on the professions table in this section corresponding to the character's class in his society. The result obtained in the family profession, although bear in mind the following, if Christian religious profession is obtained, the character is a bastard, specifically an offspring of fornication, the child of a priest or a nun. That's wonderful. Results are dervish are automatically translated to Ghazi. The child of a Kana or Kana Romera is a bastard specifically referred to as a Mansur. In such cases, the father is unknown and it is considered that the PC was raised by their mother. Once we have discovered the parental profession, mark four primary skills of your of that profession on your character sheet, but only the primary skills, as you can increase them later. Okay, so let's go for that wheel of families. Let's see. Let me my D100. That is a 66, and I'm still scrolling up to the table. Filling dead air. <laughs> 66. And in Penzon. Let's see what that is. I was really hoping for a Bruja. Or a Charlatan, frankly. I was really hoping one of y'all was going to get Charlton. <laughs> All right. So we just look back at the previous yeah. table. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This uh, is very confusing. Okay. An infant zone is a feudal lord who lives for and by war. A warrior who serves and protects the lord to be the vassal, whether another noble of higher rank or his own king. Similar to the English and French concept of knight without the ceremony of knighthood. The Infenzon is the cornerstone of the feudal system, being the leader of battle and defender of the values they've sworn to follow since infancy, trained in the use of arms since they were little, where, when they worked as pages and squires to other knights. With their social position, 
their privileges and their economic level in the zone that possess their own arms, armor, and force, with which they go into battle, waving their own standard or their lords at the end of the lance. In the Islamic world, he's called an Arif, captain of troops, and is usually an expert combatant with a troop under his command. That worked out pretty well. Let's see what the townsfolk has for me. All right, I wrote a 26. My father was a beggar. <laughs> I was... I was hoping for a pirate, not going to lie. Let's see, a beggar. Well, I'm sure this needs no description, but here we go. Though it says, by the way, I think it's a really cool way that, you know, we're handling. Hold on. Weren't you Jewish? Yeah. Your father was a medico. Oh, did I look wrong? Oh, I I was looking at townsfolk. I may have actually screwed up my other. Jewish town, Jewish professions. Oh, Jewish professions. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, you're a beggar. Okay. Beg away. All right. All right. So what does a beggar? This refers to an individual who, due to whatever circumstances, must ask for charity, who is dedicated to being a tramp and nothing more, surviving on charity of others and certain personal craftiness. Many beggars use every type of artifice artifice to gain their daily sustenance, telling stories in the plaza. Well, that makes sense for my career. Performing small juggling acts. Playing some rough instruments, perhaps helping peasants or artisans with uh, some labor, or even stealing whatever comes to hand. So, like I was kind of saying beforehand, I really like how this also is an excuse to kind of add more to these stats. So, my primary, I'm getting eloquence, empathy, memory, and sleight of hand. So, I'm getting a little bit of buff there. Secondary, brawl, craft, commerce, games, conceal, language of choice, stealth. You only get the primary attributes from your parentage. Yeah, yeah, you just get the primary skills. Eloquence, empathy, memory, and sight ahead. Not bad. All right. And as a Christian, I also rolled beggar. So apparently I am a fairly eloquent soldier. <laughs> and I probably stole somebody's boots to, be, to pretend I was a soldier. <laughs> You're like the main character from Catch-22. Yeah, more or less. Or, you know, like, every single peasant who snuck onto a battlefield to steal as much clothing as he could to say he was a soldier. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I never got caught. I'm a soldier now, remember? That's a good point. You got him. Yeah. Joe? Well, my father was a merchant. Perhaps this also needs no description, but we'll describe it anyway. Within this profession, we can find everyone from the great merchant who makes transactions with cities and other kingdoms, to those who control the market of a single city, to the customs house of a port or a provincial fair, without forgetting all those small peddlers who travel from town to town selling their merchandise and buying local products, or the modest ship owner sending a ship to establish a new commercial route through the Mediterranean. In short, this refers to the medieval business person disposed to run the risks required if the gain is worth the trouble. Joe, I am going to eat you and Aaron. Yeah, well, I mean, there's two of us. <laughs> I'll pay him to fight you. And one of us has a spear, apparently. I think Aaron's probably <laughs> got a lot going on, too. <laughs> yeah, I got a lot of, I got a lot of weapons for martial skills. <laughs> All right. I gained... Extra points in commerce, eloquence, empathy, and my language of choice. 
just saying, wouldn't be the first time somebody in this specific time period got eaten by peasants. Literally eaten by peasants. Yes, I am aware. <laughs> just chewed up. Delicious. All right, Adam, what we got next? Good question. Is it t- which table's next, sir? Step six, six, family situation. Family table. Family situation. Now that we know the specific occupation followed by the character's parents, let's discover a bit more about the PC family situation. As we saw in the previous step, the selection of some professions for the character's parents can determine whether he or she is considered a bastard. A child of a couple with that had not made a marriage contract. Well, thank you for describing what a bastard was, sir. But for the rest of the characters, we should make a 1d10 roll on the family table to determine the character's place in the family. Notable point of order, Adam, you call me a bastard all the time. I, 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 true. I do, but I think... I, well, there's the insult, and then there's the technical term. I have been known to tell my students, "Is like, listen, I don't mean to be a bastard. I mean, I don't mean to be a child born out of wedlock. And then they look <laughs> at me, and I'm like, just continue. One of the results can be an additional 1d10 to this spe- to specify a bit further about the family situation of the character to see if the character has siblings we're going to roll 1d8 and then subtract four for the plague or to subtract d- 1d4 from the result uh with any result less than zero being considered zero so i don't have negative brothers okay <laughs> <laughs> oh i rolled a negative one i absorbed my twin <laughs> <laughs> the total is the number of the pc siblings to determine the gender of each sibling, God damn, we're getting detailed here. Roll as many d- ever type you like, uh, as those are the siblings. Even numbered results are female, odd, or male. And to find that out the place of the ca- the character holds in the birth order, roll a die with as many faces and a number of siblings plus one, which is includes you know the PC himself. God, I'm sorry. This is the lengthy 1d4 for three siblings plus the PC. I thank you for describing this. Remember that the oldest son is considered the firstborn. Even, I guess that implies that the, the female, if there was an older sister, she's just there. Uh, she's if, mud. Yeah. <laughs> this is a dowry bait. <laughs> yeah. I guess. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, I mean, you know, not going into this expecting to see that, that that's kind of threw me for a loop. I apologize, listeners. If he comes from a noble family, he will inherit the corresponding title at the death of his father. I shall be a beggar. While the <laughs> other brothers are conferred with the title of Caballero. 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 Thank you. Or Sight. If they are upper nobility, such as a Hidalgo, if they are lower nobility. Using the three choice method, the player simply decides. Well, that's fine. I don't think I need to read any more. There's mentioned something about players and boons, but let's go to the table, Aaron. All right, let's get siblings. Okay, so one d ten. Oh, I'm a bastard! Ha! <laughs> damn it! So you're a shitty noble. You're like. Hey, listen, you need those bastards <laughs> to fill out the lower-end ranks of knights. Right. Now, Aaron, let's, yes. let's, I'll tell you what, let's, let's go ahead and jump around by our birthplace, and then we'll kind of jump over to the siblings' things, because it gets a little little dense right there. 
Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not. Since I'm a bastard, I'm not going to have any siblings. I'm deciding that now. All right. Well, no, you technically, you technically have half siblings. Yeah, well. they don't count. Neither does he. <laughs> All right, we'll see what I am. I am four. I am the character born in the, within the bosom of marriage, and my parents are still alive. Like, so, I mean, honey, did you have a good day bagging? Yeah. Okay. Oh, it's, it's... Hey, man. Uh, they got married somehow. Yeah. Aaron, do you need to yeah. roll an additional 110 to figure out if, I just noticed this, if you're a child of an incestuous relationship or a concubine or a... Yes! Yes! No, yes! Yes! Incest, incest, oh, incest. Do it, do it, do it, do it. Did you roll a one or a two, Aaron? I rolled a one, but they wanted oh, okay. it, so I'm giving the people what they want. You don't have to give us what we want. <laughs> okay. Well, you don't God. actually have to be incestuous. Yeah. Oh, I'm a fornicito. I'm a child of adultery and incestuous relation or of a nun or priest. Uh, we, we, won't, we won't count that. That was just kind of interesting. All right. So, uh, Chris, how about we see about what you are? So Let's find out. I rolled an 8. The character was born within the bosom of marriage, but only his mother and siblings remain alive. If he has to be, if he's the firstborn son, the PC has inherited his father's title of Pesker. <laughs> Alright, so from there, what do I roll? Well, we're we're kind of going to go into the siblings in a moment. We're going to let Joe do his, and then we'll jump back into our kit brothers and sisters. Ooh, a five. Was I was also born within wedlock. My parents are alive. Also, so going back to the top of the order here, we so, need to uh, see if, everyone. Mm-hmm. Let just high five everybody who's who's got parents, who's got <laughs> happily married parents, or at least married parents. So you I'm skip siblings, but I am gonna go marriage. All right, all right. Let's go for. I guess everybody else needs to do a. We'll do a sibling off. So I'm gonna do a row since Aaron apparently doesn't have that option. Well, I'm a bastard, so I wouldn't know. So I'm gonna roll one d eight, and that is going to give me four. So I have four siblings. Okay. Now wait. I now need to just subtract one d four. I'm sorry. You roll one d eight and subtract d four, so you don't. Yeah. Oh yeah, so yeah, roll the d four. All right, so I have t- well, apparently two didn't make it, so I only have two siblings. So I to determine the gender of each sibling, roll a dice. Well, we'll just go so through this. Your parents have backup kids. So actually, I'm seeing this as a one d six and subtract one d four. It's one. You roll one d eight and subtract a d four. Yeah. That's what my. All right. So I have a brother. I ha- and I have a brother. Okay. I have a brother and a sister. Okay. And I don't even really know if birth order amounts to anything right here. Row 1D3. Like I wear 1D3 to see what I am in the order. Sorry. This, is, this gets a little bogged down here. So I wrote a 1. The result is the place of the child's. So yeah, I'm the firstborn, I assume. I guess that'd be Chris. All right. Only child, baby! Nice. Alrighty. Let's see what we got going on here. Negative two. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> my kids 
my brothers and sisters are haunting me from beyond the grave and want to drag me down to hell. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, wait. I just don't have any living siblings. Yeah, that also doesn't work in Jewish mythology or, or religion. All Try. right. Y'all <laughs> don't believe in hell. All right, so yeah, we just die. So marriage is an option we have, guys. Now, I personally am going to forgo marriage. I can't be tied down. I feel that, I, you know, I hear a train of coming, coming around to Ben, you know, sunshine, don't know when. But if the player wishes, or if the character belongs to a profession of rabbi, the character, or, you know, rabbi, the character can be married. In this case, you're going to roll 1d10 to determine the condition of the PC's marriage on the marriage table. To determine if the PC's marriage resulted in any, any children, you roll 1d6 and subtract 1d4. Any result being less than zero is considered zero. The total obtained in this number of children the PC and his spouse are responsible for. The gender of the children can be determined in the same way as beforehand. So you just basically, you know, odds and evens. So I rolled a three, which means the PC is married, but he doesn't know where to find his spouse. He disappeared, kidnapped, fled. Although it is possible that their children were left in his care. Interesting. So, fine. Let's see if they took the kids, Aaron. Well, I rolled a three, and you subtract one before, so... <laughs> she took the neighbor's kid. <laughs> <laughs> well, hold on. So I rolled a three. So I have two children. Well, I got one boy and one girl. So are you going to be a family person? Apparently, yes. I rolled a seven, which means the PC is married and his spouse remains in a perfect state of health. If she accompanies the character, create her as described in the Bane companion of misfortune. <laughs> wow. Thanks. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no. I have five children. Did you subtract the D4? Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> he wrote a six. I oh. rolled a six and a one. No wonder you're oh, off at the wars. support all these kids. Well, you know what? You are. I mean, theoretically, you have a farm. Maybe who knows? <laughs> it's a mud farm. It's, it's farm hands. Well, that's interesting. I mean, I guess it was a rerun season. <laughs> I am married. My spouse has died. There uh-huh. may be children. That's disappointing. I hope there's kids. I got to keep the family name alive. Yeah. Get fucked, losers. I love my wife. I have one child. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Single dad in the peasant age. That's the worst sitcom ever. Yeah. It is a man. I have one (laughs) male child to inherit my name and (laughs) fortune? (laughs) Question mark? Yeah. We'll see. All right, so this is where kind of like we're it seems like we're deviating off tables at this point in time. Is there there's a ta- well there's a table of height and weight that sounds fun. I would say we can skip primary characteristics for now. Yeah, I'm I'm not super interested about rolling up height and weight. Yeah, that sounds. Uh, I am. <laughs> I'm rolling <laughs> all the way. I'll roll every goddamn thing. <laughs> Joe, do you just want to be tall? Do you want to be tall in the game? Nah, no. No, I know enough. To, every every tall person I know has back problems. No thanks. I don't have back problems yet. <laughs> okay, so I I don't care too much about unless we're keeping these characters. We don't need to roll stats right now, but I do want to roll 
appearance and age. That shit will be hilarious. Yeah, appearance and age sounds good. Okay. <laughs> I'm 15 and I have five children. God damn. <laughs> it was an Octo Mom situation. I hope so. All right. So here's the descriptions to see about the traits. I'll do kind of an introduction. So this is what you're talking about, right? The traits? Yes. Secondary traits. The secondary traits. So using the free choice method, player chooses a PC's traits. Nope. Not doing that. We're we're doing 1D100 for the traits. Yeah, and there's there's a hyperlink for once you roll your appearance to the appearance table. I think we need to roll our age. I think this would be funny. Oh, I know. I, I planned. To, I just rolled my appearance first. So let's see. What did I roll for appearance? I rolled a nine. <laughs> Lackluster. You have an utterly unremarkable appearance. You're not ugly, but neither does your appearance have any spark to it. No spark. Yeah. Yeah. I'm fine, I guess. All right. I rolled a nine. Let's see. Oh, you got the same as me. I'm lackluster. I'm utterly unremarkable. I'm not ugly, but I mean, a few drinks and I, I got a lot of uh, charisma stats here that give me a boost. So I'm fine. So, you know, yeah. all right, Chris, let's see how beautiful you are. Yeah. You're lackluster too. <laughs> Yet I have five kids. <laughs> Look, you have a good personality, sir. There's not a lot to do in the 1400s. 15. I'm normal. I was hoping somebody was going to get ugly. Yeah, I was looking for absolutely repugnant, but okay. Yeah, I think it would would have been really funny if like the one like peasant soldier got handsome. It's like, oh, that makes sense. I really love that that one of these is just remarkably ugly. <laughs> hmm. Is there anything else? Or, or... so I rolled one d ten, I got four plus sixteen, so I'm twenty years old. All right, and then you you have to have stats for height and weight. Let's see. The time has come to decide your character's age. Though age doesn't impose any modifiers to the other characteristics of skills within the structure of the game rules, the decision is quite important on a narrative level. Since a young character may be treated dismissively or looked down on by older people, while on the contrary, if we decide to make the character older, we soon reach the character's dotage, especially if we we are going to play a campaign that takes place over the course of several years. You are free to choose the age of your character between 17 and 26 years. If you don't have a particular age in mind, or you don't have time to decide, roll 1d10 and add 16 to the results. Thank you for reading that. I am, I guess, 41? You're 25. I, I I did do the math, you're right. I'm 25 years old. Chris, what'd you get? It will be extremely funny if I'm 17. I'm 24. You're older than me. I'm a near, I'm a mere 20 years old. Joe's my age. You're middle-aged. Yeah. Oofa doofa. (laughs) You realize, once you get my age and you have a lot of kids. (laughs) (laughs) When did you start having those? (laughs) It's not important. As early as possible. Hey, man. (laughs) You're not the boss of me, and you're not so big. Like I said, you gotta. You, there's not a lot to do in the, the 13 and 1400s. Okay, so we can. I would say for right now, we can skip skills, faith, and whatnot. It's time to get to the fun, the most fun table. Okay. Boons and Banes. 
<laughs> okay, so Boons and Banes. We've nearly finished our character and have already figured out the mountain of factors for his, his career, his class, his family, his skills, etc. But during his life so far, our character will have lived through all sorts of good and bad fortune. You know, good times, bad times, I guess I've had my whatever encountering a lot of events, good, bad, and in-between. Events that have shaped their personality, their physical state, and their life story, or his way of viewing the world. All of these possibilities are reflected in this game. As the character traits, some of which are boons, others are bane. The term boons refers to traits that grant a benefit in a specific way and show their utility one time or another during the game, and it will benefit the PC. Example boons are, you know, Characters usually belong to nobility or having like a sixth sense that warrants a danger. The Banes on the other side, the counterpart, are disadvantages, debilities, or defects that penalize the character and aspects of their personality. You should determine at the start whether you want to row randomly. Hell <laughs> yeah. That's what if we're you, here for. <laughs> if you row, you might get a better result than picking. On the other hand, you get a much worse result. In any event, you should save with one method when choosing the traits. Some traits raise and lower a value of characteristics. In some cases, unless descript, a description of the feature sets otherwise, you should keep the following in mind. Well, wait, that's just that's the mechanics. I'd rather not focus on the mechanics. So... So it says rolling for traits using the classic method. All characters in Aquilari can make up four 1D100 rolls on the character trait table determined by the age of PC. Greater age means the tool will experience more events of significance. Some of these rolls are required to mark. So Old Man Thornsburg has to make four rolls. Yeah. So Aaron has to make what, three? Or... I can make up, I can make well, up to four because one required and then three optional. So I'm going all four. I'm going to go all four, too. This is what I came for. Yeah. Chris, how many are you rolling? Right. Oh, I haven't decided yet. I have to I have to require at least three rolls. I'm deciding if I'm going to go for the last fourth one. I'm, I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in. Same. All uh, in. God damn it. All right. Fine. Fine. Let's do it. Okay, since we're all doing four, let's all roll my first Adam O, your first Chris, etc. Okay. All good with that? Yeah. So one okay. at a time? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I rolled the first one as a 65, which, according to the table, is aged, which is a bane. It was a rough 20. Uh, the character is of a more advanced age than seems normal for people who embark on adventures. And he begins the game already an adult or even an elderly person, at least by medieval standards. Stage is 2d10 plus 26 years. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Let's see what we got. How old are you actually? Oh, how do you do, um, fellow kids? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm only 30. That's great. Oh, God. Whew. All right. uh, the good news is that he gains 10 points to spend on skills for each year above 26, which is cool because that would be quite a few. That's 40 points. The bad news is he has to make a roll on the events table for each year and take into account the rules for aging that begin to affect our, our character once he passes 35 years. All right, well, I have to roll on the events table. Yeah, that, like, I, I got to know what, what you've done in these years. All right, so that's four rolls on the events table. Well, I killed a Saracen. 
<laughs> All right, these are one v one hundred. Okay, so first is thirty seven. Tranquility. Nothing far from normal has happened during this time, which would disquiet the PC quite a bit, leaving him to wonder if it isn't calm before the storm. And it might be just that. If the players receive this, this event by obtaining a 66 on the dice, good news, crazy luck, roll again and double the effects obtained. Oh, Jesus. All right, so time for number two. That's a four. Great friendship. The PC gets on well with a person of great power in the region, whether someone with a high ecclesiastical office, the king's administrator, or a feudal lord of the region, and immediately makes him his friend. All right, well, these are, these are going okay so far. 74. The cloud of misfortune. I spoke too soon. <laughs> Due to a period of famine, short ages, epidemics, and other catastrophes. This PC's monthly income is divided by two this year, rounding down. Oh, no. All right, last one, yo. I'm kind of hoping for 100, because that's illness. But 81, death in the family. One of the PC's family members, a parent, sibling, or even spouse, or one of his children. Died. All right, well, I guess that explains where my wife is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Adam, go ahead and roll your... All right, my first Booner Bane. I roll a... 52. It's a boon. I have a gift with languages. So, does that actually adhere to this? Gift with languages. Character has a natural gift of learning languages and can rapidly learn whatever language he hears. Each time, each time he spends experience points to raise a percentage of he has in a tongue, he gains twice the value. Okay. That's pretty much self-explanatory. Chris? Let's do it. I rolled a one. Non-combatant. Or soldier ever. <laughs> I'm the best soldier. For some reason, having killed a best friend in a fit of anger, received a grave wound in battle, or just seen and lived through too many things in life, the character hates combat, warfare, and fighting, such as such as that he suffers not negative twenty five percent in all arm skills. Oh shit. <laughs> this isn't to say that he's a coward, only that he is not disposed to combat, and when he is involved in it, it pains him deeply. <laughs> I am making a deeply pained character, y'all. Sure are. <laughs> oh, man. I, I can see the pathos here. Our, oh, God. All right, Joe. Let's see what you're getting here. Okay. 61. Captivating. I'll take it. <laughs> the character is very attractive to the opposite sex and never misses an opportunity to engage them, joke, and flirt, grow intimate, and bed them whenever possible. Raise his seduction percentage by 25%. How many kids do you have again? Only the one, so this will come in handy. <laughs> Look, we're all about redundancy here. We need more kids. I need a spare at least. <laughs> all right, Aaron, you're back at the top of the order, buddy. All right. 98. Oh, my God. Healer. You're a healer. <laughs> All right. Also, I'm going to make a roll here. If you roll the same boot vein as someone else, you get to re-roll. There. That's fine. That way we get to experience all the highs and lows medieval life has to offer. The character is a natural healer, whether from learning received or a natural aptitude, aptitude to result. As if he knows how to treat all types of wounds and illnesses, bring this percentage of both medicine and heal by 25. Okay. He's a hip-hop artist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. Here we go. I'm looking forward. We'll say 86. Ooh, a boon. Natural resistance and rapid recovery. Oh, you're Wolverine. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's a variable boon that benefits from natural resistance, specific types of pain or inflammatory that other people find difficult to overcome. The cost of this boon is proportional to the type of resistance. So I guess it would be, it says, it says like one point boon, two point boon, three point boon, etc. I'm just going to go with the one since I'm going to, if I roll it again, I'll magically get it, I guess, in my head. Character never has headaches. Is immune to hangovers. That's pretty handy. And is very difficult to render unconscious. Any vitality roll he makes to avoid losing consciousness is made as if his vitality were five points higher. Pretty good. All right, Chris. We'll see. Which, which, let's turn this around, buddy. Wow. Thanks, Adam. 32. A poon. I'm a leader. You just hate fighting. <laughs> You're Gandhi. Apparently. All right. Leader. The character is accustomed to command. Maybe he was the leader of a group of mercenaries or bandits, or instructed a, a series of apprentices in his career. Or it could be that he was amply in charge of a group of workers. But for a certainty, he knows how to give orders. Raise his command skill by 25. Nice. <laughs> So everyone's just like, that guy knows that he doesn't want everyone to die. Maybe we should listen to him. Somebody better roll a goddamn main scene. What, what the fuck are you talking about? Uh, Joe, <laughs> uh, I wish you the greatest of fortune as you row here, sir. As do I. 21. Ambidextrous. Oh, you're a witch. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Who's to say? Whether he's been so for birth or because he has committed himself to it since a young age. Blech. The character is able to let to use the left hand and right hand with equal ability. Which means he has no negative modifier when using his off hand. Everything's cool. coming up Millhouse here, guys. Uh, it's the <laughs> advantage of wealth. Alright. I guess it's time for my third boon. I'm pretty pissed. I'm hoping you get twenty three, Aaron. What's twenty th- oh god. <laughs> There's a couple boon or bades that I think would be hilarious, but I'm so far I'm just old. Like that's okay. I already got healer, so I'm gonna reroll. Oh, Adam, you got your wish. Twenty three. You're afraid of Aaron, please read that to me as I sit here and giggle. Oh, I'm gonna. I just gotta get there. Hold up. Maybe let somebody else read it. Oh, well, I'll read it because I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying this. Let me okay. Oh, Chris, go right ahead, buddy. <laughs> All right. Disorder 23. Fear of horses. Due to some accident he suffered while mounted, or some traumatic event that happened in his childhood, the character fears horses and all other sorts of mounts, and he considers these animals treacherous and dangerous. He won't really willingly go near them, and if he has has to mount one, his ride skill is reduced by 25%. Jesus. Look at that fucking horse coward, y'all. You're a fucking rugged soldier, my man. <laughs> right? <laughs> Alright, let's see. What I don't want to kill anyone, but I can ride a horse at least. That's a good point. Ooh, I got another boon. Enhanced characteristic strength. I mean, I think it's pretty self-explanatory, but 
apparently you juggle iron weights. Yeah. <laughs> it just basically raises my characteristic by one for each point of this boon. So, I mean, I'm just a little bit stronger. It's not worth reading through it. It's just kind of a generalized uh, enhanced characteristic. Chris, go right ahead, bud. All right. 21. I All think right. we already hit that one. That's uh, ambidextrous. Uh, but roll well, again. Yeah, fuck that noise. We see your boon and we want a bane. All right, 67. What? Sorter, compulsive gambler. <laughs> <laughs> the character is someone who we would consider to, as a pathological, pathological gambler. A person as obsessed with making bets that his relationships, his job, and his own health come secondary. He finds it almost impossible to refuse a game of cards, dice, or other types of games of chance, or of taking part in any sort of bet. The only benefit is that his percentage in games is raised by 15%. Hey, Chris, double or nothing, Joe rolls a, a, an even number. I'll take that bet. Well, I mean, I already <laughs> rolled it. Uh, seri- secret, a serious conviction. Uh-oh. Right, let's go down to secrets. Birds aren't real, Joe. <laughs> birds aren't real. <laughs> Who told you birds were real? They're a type of fish. The character's past is more turbulent than it is than is apparent, and he guards a secret that could seriously complicate his life. The cost of the bane is proportionate to the gravity of the deed the character is hiding. What is my secret? Serious sentence. A powerful family and organization where the law of one of the kingdoms is seeking the character for some crime whether he has actually committed it or not, and if he is caught, he will be severely punished, but not executed unless he resists arrest. Usual punishment is a prolonged prison sentence. We're talking years. Perhaps even in a galley for that period of time. Oh, joy. You know what? I have a feeling that your uh, your uh, seduction skill may have caused some problems. Oops. Oops. <laughs> she didn't know that she was someone important. And someone's wife. Alright. Last one, guys. Fingers crossed. Alright, let's go for Curse by God. 72 yards. Uh, uh, 55. Disordered. Seasickness. Adam, I wanted to be cursed by God. Honest, I did. (laughs) I honestly find it very funny that you are both afraid of horses and seasick. So you basically can only travel by walking in this era. Yeah, pretty much. You're the fucking VR. You're the B.A. Baracus of this group. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you'll get cursed by man. There's still time. The character is a true landlubber and becomes queasy merely... Mm. I don't love that. Alright. Uh, Alright, bud. Here we go. Wanna, bring us home. 67. That has been you, so I'm going to row again. Chris rode uh, a compulsive gambler. Sure did. And if anyone rolled compulsive gambler, it would be me. <laughs> 82. Stealthy. It's a boon. I got boons. I have straight boons. That's pretty much it. I mean, stealthy pretty much is uh, explanatory. Of course, my character does have a pretty high dex, and I think I, it alluded to this, so it's kind of fun how that all worked out. So I am like a shadow. You you got your career by pretending to be a juggler and just stealing from people is what I'm hearing. Possibly. We haven't figured that out, but a character is like a shadow, silent, discreet, and stealthy, able to pass unperceived in the middle of a multitude and slip away without being seen or merge into the darkness. Raise myself by 25%. That's pretty damn good. 
Pretty dope. All right, Chris. Curse by God, sir. No, damn it, you didn't. Nope. 41. Physical defect. One handed. <laughs> well, you've seen a lot of combat. That's what I'm that's what I'm getting from these curses. I hate I hate fighting, but people love me and I have one hand and god damn I'm gonna keep doing it. Wave this nub around at you motherfuckers. Look, man, that's what happens when you gamble with the wrong people. Yeah, you'll end up a soldier. With one hand. Alright, hold up. Let me just read one-handed real fast. You have one hand. <laughs> yeah, but I want to understand what that means. Okay, physical, quick to anger, fear of horses. All right, one-handed. The character has lost a hand, and although he suffers no offhand penalty, since he has learned to use the remaining hand well, his dexterity is reduced by three points. The, this bane is incompatible with the ambidextrous boon. So, well, good to know. All right, Joe. Curse by God or a 14, that would be a good one. 41, 41 the reverse of 14. One-handed, row again. <laughs> yeah, didn't I just get that? Also, aren't you ambidextrous? I am. <laughs> so you would you can't... like to try? <laughs> 13. Damn it, so close. Heightened sentences. Vision. Seems pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. But I guess we'll scroll down and see what they got to say for themselves. One of the character's senses is extremely heightened, and he can use it with considerable skill. Raise the skill that corresponds to the sense. You have heightened by 25%. Vision. Oh, God. Looks like, I mean, there's a big list. It's, I was kind of hoping for vertigo or you got your tongue cut out. I'm, I'm happy that one of us got a fear of horses. Wow, we foisted all of our bad shit off onto Chris's character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you guys. <laughs> I think I wrote Hunchback the first time I did this for Farron. Yeah, Brownie wrote Curse by God. So, honestly, I mean, I think, is there anything else or are we good to go? I mean, I think that's about it. I mean, that's about the end of character creation. So, I th- I'd like to ask everybody first off here, since we ca- we're kind of coming to the end of it, though, those of you at home listening, uh, you know, it, this kind of drags on a bit because there's quite a bit to it here. But there was like a, a, it was this whole table of boons and banes that really got Aaron sewed me on it beforehand. But anyway, guys, what do y'all think of it so forth? I'd like to ask Joe first because I know the the other three of us have kind of played around with this before. Like, what do, what do you think of character creation for Aquilaria? I, I mean, I'm usually a fan of any sort of randomly generated character creation. I, I will say it weirdly made sense <laughs> with all the characters that came out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of aligned in a reasonable fashion, and yeah, it's cool. Like I, I, I'm a, I'm a fan of this as long as you don't go too far. You know, when when you're not in like old '80s traveler territory, your character dies during character creation. I think it's usually a fun time. Even if you don't yeah. wind up using that character, you just toss it out and use another one. And like you said, I, I, I think it's kind of neat how the, some of this stuff builds in. Like, I've kind of got this, I, you know, we're both from the same area. We're, we're both Jewish. You know, I maybe I was kind of, I, you know, I worked for you or I did stuff for you on the slide. Like, if I could blend in, sneak around, got a cover and all that, maybe I was helping you get the lead on some businesses or, you know, something like that. It just, it's kind of, like you said, it's kind of cool how it all kind of worked out. Aaron, Chris, what do you guys think? 
I think it's fun, and I think it it offers something in character creation that you don't don't, don't normally get. Because you know, in character creation, for most gamers, like, oh, this seems cool and useful. Whereas Aquilar is like, all right, so now you're one-handed or you're ugly or old. Make it work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, it. I don't want to say it saddles you with this stuff because that sounds negative, but it it makes you think outside the box of regular character creation. It, it makes you think outside the box. Yeah, it's Taco Bell. <laughs> it is from Spain, but uh, no, I think it's I think it's fun. It's it, it can I, I think it's goofy, but it's not too goofy. Yeah, and I don't even think it's just it can be fun. I, I think I wouldn't have enjoyed it as much if we were really just picking stuff out. It was kind of, you know, yeah. a row of the dice and see what you got and then yeah. make something of it. I, I honestly think that the way we went with this game, we were thinking more about how we would, we would play these characters. Like, I, I've made a lot of jokes, but, like, I honestly do think this guy is a pretty interesting character. Yeah, no, I mean... you. You've got a one-eyed gambling addicted man with five children, like a one-handed gambling addicted man. Yeah, like there's there's some shit going on there to work out. Who's a natural leader too, apparently. Yeah, like that sounds like somebody from the Thirty Years' War to me. It's too early for the Thirty Years' War. <laughs> okay, the Hundred Years' War, but you, you see right. what I'm getting at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you get characters that you wouldn't like. Like you're not, you don't necessarily. It's a lot harder to min max if you're random. If you're doing random character creation, and I think in a way that makes for more interesting characters. Yeah. Oh, I agree, for sure. Awesome. Well, it seems like I think we've kind of covered all the bases here. Um, I'd like to thank you all for joining me today, also, Aaron. I'd like to thank you for graciously leading in us in leading us in us and always being a big champion of Aqualoria. Maybe one of these days we can take these characters and go out on a grand adventure. But yeah, no, I was going to say like, is this something you guys would be interested in taking for a spin at some point? Yeah, sure. I'll have to come up with like an actual character concept, but I think that's pretty easy with this role. <laughs> yeah. Joe, your thought? Yeah, I think this would, you know, the character seems useful. The char- it seems to generate useful and interesting characters. I would I would give the game a shot for sure. Cool. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd play this guy out. You know, I, we still have to would have to uh, set up the attributes and whatever, but yeah, that's not as big a deal. Yeah, yeah. Adam. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm always I'm always down. I I'm, I regret that I'm not my beautiful hunchback lady that I rode up the first time, but this was pretty good. And I mean, I I kind of like the you know, the family background that I got and the potential that I have to kind of tie my character with Joe's. I would look, I would look forward to seeing how we would come in contact with the one headed pacifist soldier. And then, you know, if you were actually playing in the game instead of running it or anything like that, I would love to have encountered you fleeing from a horse. That would have been grand as well. (laughs) Fuck that horse. Fuck that horse. Uh, uh, So, Speaking of fleeing, hey guys, we're going to have to head out. But real quick, I'd like to go ahead and thank you. If you're one of our Patreon subscribers, you've got this episode a good three months before the general public did. So give thank you so much for your patronage. If it wasn't for you 
It would be very difficult to keep the lights on. Even though we're a humble little podcast, the expenses do kind of build up, and you've helped us immeasurable, and thank you so much. And if you're not a patron, why not? I guess if you're not a patron, you can head over to patreon.com slash exchange. And, uh, yeah, we got several different tiers. If you'd like to get these roll-up episodes a bit early, like three months early, then you could join us at our, fi- our $5 tier to where it would unlock these beforehand. And if not, if you just like for your previews or just to, you know, be a nice person, just helping us keep all those bills at bay, just come on over. We definitely appreciate it. Every dollar we make goes into just keeping the ship afloat. And you can catch us if, on our webpage at roadpointexchange.com. We are on Facebook, facebook.com slash roadpointexchange. And finally, we are on Twitter. It is at rpexchange. So thank you all once again. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining me. And look forward to our next Session Zero. Say goodnight, Adam. Good night, Adam. Sorry. I feel I'm compelled to do that. I apologize. No, that's the point. That's why I asked you to do it. (laughs) Anyway, good night, folks. Bye. Peace, y'all. Bye.